Hi, this is Jerry Reynolds for Sacramento Electronic Supply, who has been servicing the Sacramento area's industrial electronic needs for over 75 years. Family owned and operated, Sacramento Electronics is a registered California small business that prides themselves on their customer service. Their showroom and warehouse are open to the public to browse. Whether you're looking for wire and cable, tools and testers, connectors or relays, Sacramento Electronics is open for you Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova. Or, hey, visit them online 24-7 at www.sacelec.com and do it. Oh, another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Ooh. Jim Bob Foley. Holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop from the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the King's Herald, my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going? Will, it's going pretty well. I thought we we might have to wait years to uh, figure out who won the Halliburton for Sabonis trade, but the Kings kicked the Pacers' ass on uh, on Wednesday <laughs> night, so I think we can call it. Uh, great job, Monty. <laughs> We're calling it after one game, after yeah. one game in, in, in Halliburton's third year. We got it. Yep. He's a, he's a former Sacramento Kings uh, head coach, GM and color analyst, GM of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer. He's the true pride of French League himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. How's it going? Well, it's going really well, obviously, just enjoying the heck out of this team and coming off a huge win. And uh, so, hey, let's, let's talk hoops. Let's talk some hoops. So uh, last time we spoke, guys, we've seen uh, the Kings follow up a seven-game winning streak with a three-game Thanksgiving slump, uh, followed by an emotional beatdown last night, as Tony's alluded to, of the Indiana Pacers. And uh, if the national media and Pacers faithful want you to believe, uh, we beat the second coming of Chris Paul and Tyrus Halliburton. Mm-hmm. So the Kings are uh, they're five and three over the last two weeks. Um, we're 20 games into the season. We can start brushing off small sample size discussions a little bit here. Quarter of the way through the season, how do you guys assess the job the Kings have done? And we can, you can roll through the front office, the coaching, the players, any combination you guys want. Quarter of the season, how do you think the Kings have done so far? Well, I'm, I'm thrilled. I mean, obviously, the record speaks for itself. The fact that uh, this team is a plus 2.7 on the win margin, uh, which would put them third in the, in the West and fourth in the East. So, uh, you know, which just says they're a little bit better than their record. Uh, you know, obviously some outstanding individual uh, play. There's a bonus, Fox. I know Fox still gets his, people want to criticize him, but if you look at the numbers, there's not a lot to criticize. Uh, you know, the team, you know, the team has went on the road and beat good teams like Memphis. Uh, you know, they, you know, the, the so-called slump, you know, was you, you get beat by the best team in the league in Boston <laughs> and you get beat at home by the best team in the West by Phoenix uh, d- due to, you know, Devin Booker deciding he's uh, Kobe Bryant Jr. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, 
I, I like this team. I enjoy them. They're, they're good. Right now, they're a very good team. Tony, what do you think of this team so far, 20 games into the season? Yeah, I mean, through 20 games, they're 11 and 9, um, better than I would have predicted, you know, through this stage of the season. And I think even beyond how well they're playing, uh, or, or I should say beyond like what the numbers say, they're 11 and 9, um, they're sixth in the Western Conference. But even more than that, the energy uh, in home court, all the the beam team stuff like this team has a, a vibe around it. Sacramento is excited about it. They're extremely fun to watch all. I mean, for for a team that has been trashed by the national media and, and like deservedly so for 16 years, for the most part, uh, people outside of Sacramento are excited. It doesn't feel fluky. Um, it's it, it's beyond what I what I thought for this team, for sure. And I am definitely enjoying the ride. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about the Pacers game, but that crowd, that atmosphere, the the excitement, not just in Sacramento, but I mean, I'm on Twitter all night during these NBA games. Everyone focused on what the Kings are doing. It feels good. It feels different. And again, just better, better than than I thought they'd be at this stage for sure. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm still holding off judgment until uh, until they get their first uh, bout of injury. You know, somebody mm-hmm. Sabonis is going to have to miss a couple of games. Fox is going to have to miss a couple of games. And, and guys on the bench are really going to need to step up a little bit. But as long as the Kings are playing healthy, and there are years where teams just stay healthy the whole damn year, and if that's the case this year, like, uh, uh, you know, this team is going to win more games than I predicted. And, and that's a nice feeling. Like, I, I love I, I love being stupid, and especially <laughs> in this direction where the Kings are making me look stupid and making themselves look good. That's, that's a good feeling right now. So, um, guys, is there any uh, is there anything that you've seen over the last 20 games to indicate maybe that this is not necessarily a work in progress. Oh, like what, what have you seen in the last 20 games that you know that the Kings still continue to work on, uh, that they still need to work on? Obviously they're fourth in offensive rating, which is a little bit higher than what I'd have expected. They're up to after last night, a 22nd in defensive rating. Uh, they, they play fast. They're third in pace. They, they score the second most points uh, behind a Boston team. Who's probably the best team in the league. What do you guys see from the Kings that they still need to work on these next 20 games before we do a halfway point uh, recap of the season? Well, I I think there's just two things that maybe concern me a little. I I think they have to get better, you know, need to get better defensively. Uh, You know, how much better can they get? I don't know. But, you know, I think they could get up to 17th or 16th, something like that. I think with their offensive ability and productivity, that that, – would probably be enough. Uh, and, and part of that with defense is rebounding and it's a team that needs to rebound better, uh, or force more turnovers. You, you know, it's one or the other. Uh, I mean, the, the idea of getting more rebounds is to keep the other team from getting more shots and you get more shots. And if you can force more turnovers, the same thing would be true. And I think that probably, uh, I guess to summarize my opinion is they got a better chance of really developing a little more pressure defensive tactics in order to force more turnovers. They got the depth to do it and the guard line to do it. And I think that would be one way coach Brown might consider, you know, solving to some degree, uh, both of those issues, a little more, you know, three quarter pressure, a little more traps and taking some defensive chances to get the team, you know, off the board, you know, uh, just, Spread the game out, get it off the board, and uh, and I think they can do that. Could do that. Tony, what do you think about that? 
Yeah, this team is is borderline historic on offense right now. So I'll, I think some of those numbers will come back down to earth. So it's hard to hard to say that they need to do anything better on that end, or or I guess it might be unreasonable to expect that they can be better on offense than they are right now in total. On defense, uh, there's still some focus issues, and I think you see that the most in Mike Brown's quick timeouts. That is becoming like a nightly thing for him. Um, he still needs to correct defensive lapses that, to me, are not just. It's the Kings are under talented on defense a little bit in certain areas, but also those quick timeout things are usually focus problems where a guy gets blown by or there's a coverage mistake. Um, there was a great clip with uh, him uh, coaching up Terrence Davis. I think it was in the Phoenix game um, where he missed a rotation. And then, you know, five minutes, uh, Mike Brown called the quick timeout, guided him to the to the mistake that he made during the timeout. And about five minutes later, he almost, in almost the exact same play, he made the right rotation and drew a charge, which is good coaching by Mike Brown. So it's nice that he's working on it, but you're still seeing those issues. And if this team is going to get better on defense, they have personnel issues that are going to uh, stop them from being a great defensive team. But I think those focus problems are things they can just continue to get better at. Jerry, how, how long do you think it'll be before the Kings fully know and understand uh, the Mike Brown defensive scheming? Do you feel like this is still one of those things is, we see the defensive rating start to rise over these last five or 10 games. Is this something where they're, they're still learning uh, the schemes that he wants to get? Obviously Tony pointed out that, that uh, Terrence Davis getting a timeout called because he was late to a rotation. Is this something that they're going to be able to figure out halfway through the season? Will it take a full season? How long before they fully know their personnel and the personnel knows the system? You know, that's a great question. I, I don't, it shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't. I mean, it's, uh, NBA defensive schemes aren't nuclear science here. It's pretty basic stuff. Uh, I think the, the biggest issue I think that they've had, or one of the issues, is that really Coach Brown still isn't as maybe as sure of his rotations or who plays with who yet. I think that's a work in progress. And, and of course, that lends itself to a little unfamiliarity defensive-wise because with different – all of a sudden you got four guards on the floor or – or you have a uh, three bigs on the floor, you know, it, it, it changes things and guys just maybe aren't as sure. So, so I think it's more that than the schemes. It's just familiarity with who you're playing with in the situations that you're playing. And I, I think that's, they made up to me, made quite a bit of progress yeah. already. Mm -hmm. I, I think we were seeing much better uh, defensive uh, rotations and guys getting familiar with one another and, you know, we're finding guys that can do things that we didn't think they could do to some degree. And so, you know, I guess to answer your question, I'd, I'd be disappointed if by halfway through the year, they're, they're not who we think they should be. Sure. Do you have an example of, of, of a particular player that came to mind about uh, finding things that they can do defensively that you didn't think was uh, in their realm beforehand? I'd, I'd say Fox offhand. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, he's a much better defensive player. I'm not saying he's a stopper. He's not Davion Mitchell or anything, but I think we saw a lot of it last night against Halliburton. He used his quickness and all to really created problems for Halley. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of thing probably a year ago we wouldn't have seen. So we see that. Then Malik Monk is just better in every phase. You know, I was one of his biggest fans middle of last year, as you guys know, I pushing the Kings to side, but he's, he's a much better playmaker. And I think a much tougher minded defender, uh, you know, I mean, he'll make mistakes, but he's a ballsy guy <laughs> on a team that on a team that needs ballsy guys. And so, 
So that's just a couple of examples. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, like with Sabonis, he's not a good defender, uh, but he's so smart. He, he tries to keep himself out of those positions. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've seen that. I knew that he wasn't exactly a stopper, but, uh, you know, the guy, he's where he's remarkable to me. It's just his stamina. My God, he just runs and works all the time. He's, I'm convinced he sets probably three times as many screens as any player in the league. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and sets good ones. <laughs> yeah. Tony, what do you think the Kings could do um, uh, better defensively in the, over the next 20 games here? What do you think that they need from a, from a fan's perspective here? What do you see where they need to improve there? I, I'm, I struggle with expecting too much from this team on defense because we kind of all looked at the roster before the season started and we said, all right, this is going to be a very good offensive team that has certain limitations on defense. And we know the Kings are not a great team. They, they could be a good team. They could be an above average team. But if you're not a great team, you're going to have holes somewhere. And, I, and I've just sort of accepted that on some level, defense, and I guess more specifically, like protecting the rim, is going to be an issue that this roster can't solve. So I don't want to give them a pass for, for not being a good defensive team. And I, I would criticize them if they were one of the worst defensive teams in the league. But I think a realistic view of the ceiling of this team defensively is probably somewhere in the middle of the pack. I'd be pretty impressed with, with that if they reach a, a top 15 on defense, just because that's the roster they have. So um, they've certainly not been good on defense, but I'm also, I'm not going to pretend that they're going to suddenly transform this into a, you know, a top five, top 10, even defensive team in the league. They're not perfect. And this is the hole that they have. And I'm sure it's the whole Monty McNair knows they have too. Uh, one thing that could improve their defense in a roundabout way is they have a $16 million contract on the bench in Rashawn Holmes. Um, if you are going to be a playoff team, it's not often that playoff teams carry big salary uh, who's getting DMPs every night. So if we can assume Rashawn Holmes will be traded at some point, and I kind of do assume that help will be on the way. Will that be in the form of better defense? I don't know, probably just because uh, I don't know what prolific offensive player you're going to, you're going to add to what they have already. So that's one area where I think that contract can result in some defensive improvement at some point this season. So we uh, we witnessed uh, over over the last time we spoke a, a three game losing streak right around the the Thanksgiving holidays. It was uh, three games in four nights. It was uh, the Hawks, the Celtics, and the and the Suns that the Kings dropped to. Obviously, Jerry, you mentioned that you know this is two of the best teams in the league that the Kings lost to, the Celtics and the Suns. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the three game losing streak just for a second here to see if you guys picked up any. It, was this a was this a case of you know, tired legs finally, uh, finally slowing down a little bit after a, you know, a quick start to the season, you know, seven wins isn't e easy, obviously, or were there bad habits in there that you, that you notice you're like, Oh, this might be a problem that the Kings are, are, are starting to get into before they pulled it out uh, against a Pacers team last night. You know, they, uh, for me, uh, of course I thought uh, getting their win in Memphis was really special because yeah. they had the second best record in the, league last year and I, I mean i know they you know they're not quite the same injuries and things and there come uh, desmond bain out key guy and all that but still went on the road against a team that just beat you like a dog uh yeah. last year everywhere it, you know they'd have beat the kings 30 points if they played outside yes. uh so so there's that so that meant a lot and i thought they not the atlanta game i, I thought it did look like a tired team 
that mm-hmm. that got got in there and and not to you know it's part of the league it, it I always say the schedule works against you sometime and I thought that was a case of that sometimes it works for you uh, and Atlanta's really good yeah put that down I mean they're they're going to be in you know they could very well be a top four team in the East I don't know I mean they're good enough and when they got everybody uh, and then of course the Boston thing you know <laughs> the final score didn't tell you the game. You know, it's one of those things. That, yeah, Boston, they just destroyed them there at about a four-minute stretch. But yeah. I was all giddy jumping around here in my man cave like a 12-year-old because <laughs> I, I thought the Kings, Kings had fought back and got ahead. And, and you know, just then all of a sudden, I, I don't know if I went to take a leak or something came back and the game was over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but But I, you know, and I think certainly that there was very poor play in there by the Kings but and and brilliant play. You know, by the Celtics bench, for that matter, who who turned the game, you know, because yeah. they're kind of the bench guys. <laughs> so, uh, so I didn't, you know, I didn't come away from that terribly disappointed. You know, it's like I know the Celtics are really good, and the fact the Kings were as good as they were for three quarters, and then obviously, you know, I, I'm not trying to cop out here, but it's like, you know, this is a team that's going to score about every night and some nights they might have a five minute stretch they don't make their shots and that's what'll happen but uh then came home to, to phoenix and you know shoot i i thought it was a really good game you know it made it took an all-star level player playing at his very best uh i was i will say this before i uh, i might as well say that as a second guesser as a fan which i am uh I didn't understand, and maybe you guys can explain this to me. You know, I looked out, out there on the court, and I did not see Chris Paul. So I said to myself, self, why don't they press those guys? Because when they finally did late in the game, you could see it was not uh, – they weren't comfortable with it. Yeah. You know, Booker was allowed to handle the ball too comfortably. And uh, if nothing else, work his butt. But I, I, I really thought, I mean, I, I know I'm second-guessing the coach here, but I, I really think it is our, this is one area where I think they missed the boat. It's like, yeah, no Chris Paul. Are you, I mean, who, who else are you worried about hurting you with their ball handling ability? Yeah. Uh, I, and my answer is nobody. And, and if nothing else, you'll make Booker handle it more, which is to your advantage. So anyway, so, so that was that one. And, and they had a chance to win anyway. So, so, so anyway, so I'll just shut up and say, all I know is this is a pretty damn good team that's had a chance pretty much to win every game they played. Uh, Boston would be that exception. Uh, you know, if you look at the final, how blue the blowout occurred, but 20 games in, it's been a long time since you could say that about a Sacramento team. Long time. You'd have to go back well into the early 2000s. Tony, what about you? In those in those three games there, what did you see that uh, that stood out to you that uh, that maybe you weren't seeing in the during the seven game win streak? I'm not sure there was anything you know crazy different on the Kings end for how they performed. The Hawks' loss was second out of a back to back after a tough physical game in Memphis. The Boston loss was the last game of a road trip against the best team in the league. The Phoenix loss, I think, is the one that hurts the most. It was a, a great home court crowd. You could have won that game. And like Jerry, I had a second guess in that game too, kind of similar, but a little bit different. And I thought uh, I would have liked to see Davion Mitchell on Devin Booker more. Um, 
looked at the matchup data after the game was over and Mitchell was by far the most effective defender against Booker and he just didn't spend enough time on him. Uh, you saw, I mean, and Devin Booker is on a tear right now. If you look at his numbers over uh, recent games, I think he has multiple 50 point nights. So he's, he's hard to stop. Um, bet we was, he was the best player on the floor by far, but I think Davion Mitchell, I've been uh, super impressed with his defense and we knew he was a good defender, but I think he's made some really incredible defensive efforts uh, recently for this team. And he, he's just been so good on that. And that I want him, if you're facing a guy who's hot, like Devin Booker, I want Davion Mitchell on him for as many minutes as possible. I think that makes the job easier for every other defender because Davion Mitchell can wear him down for 30, 32 minutes, 33 minutes. And then whatever minutes Fox or Terrence Davis has to pick up, you're, you're working with a much uh, hopefully more tired Devin Booker. So that was my second guess in the Phoenix game, but I'm pretty aligned with Jerry in that the, the losing streak didn't bother me a whole lot. Yeah. That's one of those things that, uh, uh, you know, obviously going into a Thanksgiving holiday like that, that Boston game two years ago would have been a, would have been a 40 point game. It would have been a 50 point game if they needed to. And so Jerry, I was like you, I, I left with the Kings up. I was gone for five or 10 minutes. And when I came back, the whole game had just completely shifted. And I went, Oh, okay. Well, I guess I don't, I guess I don't need to watch the rest of this one then, but, but, but from everything that I watched, that was a winnable game. And, and I can't tell you the last time the Kings went up against the best team in the East followed by the best team in the West and, and coming into the second half had a chance to win that game. And so I, it, it wasn't something that bothered me necessarily. I think three game win streaks are certainly well within this team's purview. Even if, even if you take into account, you know, second night of a back-to-back and playing all these good teams, like the Kings are still just good, you know, so they're going to, they're going to lose three games in a row every now and again. Um, during during the, that three game losing streak and kind of extending on to uh, into last night a little bit, there's been some discussion about a, a dip in De'Aaron Fox's level of play. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it a regression. I know the the only game where I really saw anything where I started to think about it was that Suns game where, um, where I think he only ended up scoring 11 points. But uh, do you have you guys seen anything from from Fox? Is this a regression to the mean? Or hey, we're going to see Fox come down from a blistering hot start into more of a, a, you know, an actualized level of how he can actually play on a given night? Or is this something else? Is this something that, you know, should be expected? Or, or are we looking at nagging injuries or, or, or whatever else may be? I mean, there's no doubt that he had some uh, pretty maudlin games. Yeah. Uh, uh, but so does Bradley Beal and so does Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, let's go on and on. I, I, I think there's a couple things at play here. Uh, you know, his current average is 24 points a game. Well, obviously he was way higher than that. Well, what I'm thinking is that's really where he ought to be. I, I mean, for this team. And I think what, what's happened, you know, you've had Monk going off. You've had Terrence Davis going off, Herder going off. I mean, there's a lot of guys who can make shots and will take and make shots. And I think, and I think there's nights and I've seen, you know, where, where Coach Brown has even held him out a little longer because other guys playing well. And so some of it is, is maybe due to a couple of games were due to his play not being as good as it should be. But some of it's the fact that his teammates are playing extremely well. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes we forget that. We just automatically assume, well, Fox is out there. He, you know, he started off averaging 30 a game, so he's supposed to average 30 a game. Well, I don't think he was ever supposed to average 30 a game. Uh, for this team to be good, I don't think that's a good strategy. That, that, that would be the way to go. I think just, uh, hey, 
if he can, like last night, uh, you know, didn't play big minutes and what had 19 points, uh, you know, started slow, but was very efficient when they needed him to be, was good defensively, uh, really uh, got into Halliburton pretty good. Uh, so I guess what I'm trying to say, I'm giving the guy a damn pass. I mean, yeah. in, in, 20, in 20 games, he's shooting 52%, 39%, 82%, and rebounding almost five a game. Uh, and he's trying to play defense a lot better. So yeah. I, I just say, you know, I mean, I know fans will fan how they want, but back <laughs> off a little bit, you know. <laughs> Tony, you have anything to add to Jerry telling fans to back off a little bit? Not really. <laughs> not, not with regards to De'Aaron Fox. He's been so good. Uh, he's allowed to struggle for three games. You you give me two weeks where he's struggling, a month where he's struggling, um, then we can talk about a slump. But it's he's been too perfect uh, really, I mean, for the most part that, uh, you can't panic after three tough games. That's going to happen to every star in this league. Yeah. I, I feel like, uh, if, if he's struggling to score a little bit and the Kings are still winning five out of every eight games. Okay. Then, then he's yeah. doing what he needs to do to win the game. And I'm okay with that right now. Yeah. You know, I I've seen, I've seen Booker struggle. Yeah. I've seen him struggle several games. I've seen Dante struggle. I've seen Kobe struggle. I've seen so so uh you know like I'm with Tony there it's like okay yeah you know uh if it's a 10 game stretch and we got something to talk about but up to date through 20 just look at the numbers just look at the numbers they'll tell you what you need to know so um another player that that seems to be struggling who I think it's a little bit more serious um is Keegan Murray who um over his last six games since going inactive for a couple games He's he's shooting uh, 27.8% from the field. He's shooting 17% from three on almost five attempts, averaging less than eight points a game. Guys, is this something that, uh, I mean, uh, obviously it, it probably should be something that you should worry about with your with your rookie in the short term. Is this something where he needs to come off the bench for a couple of games, something where he maybe he needs to take a couple of days off and, and, and reset? What do you think we need to do with uh, the Kings need to do with uh, Keegan Murray right now and the way he's struggling? I think they need to keep doing just what they're doing. Uh, I'll, I'll trust the coach and staff on this. He, he's not, he's been very disappointing. You know, I'll say that. I, I mean, it, for a while he, he looked, I mean, I thought there were games he just looked like a, uh, you know, very, very unaggressive, just kind of floating around trying to find a game. In the last few games, to his credit, I think he's been more aggressive and maybe forcing things to, you know, trying to make things happen. And that's, that's again if there's anything predictable in life it's that uh will happen with players uh is he playing should he be starting compared to his uh his productivity probably not but it doesn't make any difference because mike brown's going to play the guys who are playing the best uh when they need it and so it's uh you know it's just it's just starting the game and i i i i would you know if, if i'm mike brown i'd I think he's doing just fine uh, playing with the, the, the better players as much as you can. Uh, he'll get it going. I mean, if there's ever a, a time to be patient, it's right now. It's sure. right now. I mean, uh, like I say, the, that's one of the, you know, the glories of being an old fart is I remember a bunch of these rookies that started off slow and people were ready to mark, you know, give up on them. You know, the Gary Paytons and, and Steve Nash's and, and some of those kind of guys that just turned out uh, Nikola Jokic, 
for God's sakes. Uh, I remember when he was a rookie, there wasn't anybody thinking he was, he earned many minutes. Uh, so just, just, you know, I believe the kid's going to be really good. I believe he's going to be really good. Uh, be patient with him. You can always take him out of the lineup and you can always bench him if that's what you want to do. But if the team's playing well and they seem to like playing with him, they seem to be trying to help him to a fault. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's great. So, uh, no, I, no, I'll, uh, you know, I'm disappointed in him. I, I, I think, you know, I'm glad to see the last couple of games that he has rebounded better. And that's my biggest thing. Just, just rebound better. If the shots are, he's too good a shooter for the shots not to fall. But, yeah. uh, but what you see now is, you know, he's, he was in with the, in the garbage time last night. And it's yeah. just like, my God, is there any, anything you can do that would work? I don't know. Cause everything you're doing isn't working, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I just, I would have just honestly, I would just, you know, pat him on the back and give him a hug and say, who cares? Okay. He had a bad game. Come on. Yeah. Uh, there's another, you'll, you'll, you know, there's a lot of games ahead. You, you'll work it out. Tony, what about you? What's your fix it playing with uh, Keegan Murray? Uh, I don't have a plan to fix it. I think you stay the course. Um, there's no one on the bench that's at forward that's crushing it, that it's like, oh, this guy deserves these minutes. It's a shame that they're gifting them to Keegan Murray. I don't think we're there yet or even close to the spot where you could say that he hasn't earned the this spot or these minutes. I think he's still the guy for that role. I, I do like the way he works in this offense, even if he's not producing right now. Um, he's a good cutter. He does spread the floor because I think teams still respect his shot, even though it's not going in. So I don't know what's the alternative is what I would say to anyone who wants to bench him. Are you going to put Terrence Davis in there who would just change the whole dynamic of the starting lineup because he likes to shoot a lot and often, and that's not necessarily what I think that group needs. Um, I don't think you're going to start met or Lyles or, or any, and, and Monk and Davion are obviously your, your heavy hitters off the bench. So there isn't a change that makes sense. Keegan Murray is not hurting this team to the point where he's costing them games in this role. So until uh, one of those things changes where he's actually costing them games or you have a better option, then just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. You know, and the other thought on that, it's really simple. Kind of what they've been doing is, is okay. Instead of playing him 32, three minutes, like you'd planned on. Okay. You're playing him 20. So that's it. Yeah, you know, uh, it's it's not it's not anything more complicated than that. Just see where that goes, and that is he gets better, you know, and he will, and then you can you know change your change your minutes or how you how you uh, do things. But uh, you know, I think also with Keegan playing worse, of course, it's worked out fine because Harrison Barnes is playing so much better, yeah. and so you know, not, not even counting the bench guys, but I mean the, the with the starting unit. It, it he is now the fifth guy clearly yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and that wasn't at the start of the year it was Harrison mm-hmm. and so so it eh, you know I mean you know it, it's one of those things to me it's like it, it really isn't a problem until it's a problem if it's costing you games uh, and I don't think it really has uh, you know because coach Brown has played Monk and Davis and those guys big minutes when he when he's needed to to play them and when it counts that down down the stretch so anyway so for those people that want to throw throw Keegan over the under the bus I, I'm not one of them you know I, I'll just hang I'll hang with him a while I I've got a couple more years left and I'll probably hang, I'll hang with him a couple more 
Jerry, you read my mind on Harrison Barnes because that was the next subject we were going to. The 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 uh, the blessing in disguise with Keegan Murray taking a step back is Harrison Barnes is taking quite a big step forward in his in his last eight games. He's averaging uh, a little over sixteen and a half points a game. He's shooting fifty six percent from the field. He's shooting 37 and a half percent from three. He is back to Harrison Barnes the way we we know and like him. And there's still been a couple of games in his last eight where he scored eight or scored six, but he's also gone for 27 and 26 in back-to-back games at one point. Harrison Barnes is back and better than ever. I'm curious as to what you think the difference is. Is this Was this just a matter of waiting until Harrison got comfortable? Is this a product of Keegan not getting the touches like he was in the past? Uh, you know, the Kings are 7-1 and one when Barnes scores 15-plus points. What's the deal with Harrison Barnes uh, suddenly becoming himself again? And, uh, you know, I, I thought about that. I, I don't know, of course. I, other than the fact Harrison's a good player and has got the track record to prove that, and certainly nothing about those early games would indicate that's the level of player that he is. And they, these late ones are more of an indicator of who he's always been. Uh, you know, I, I do think that, that as the years went on, uh, he's gotten more aggressive. Harrison always tries to just fit in. Uh, you know, I think that's one of his strengths, one of his weaknesses. He can fit in. If everything's going well, he might not look for a shot. But I think he he really, uh, with Keegan struggling, uh, is very smart, knows he's got to get more done. And and then t- another thing I've noticed in the last few games, at least I think I have, is that he and uh, Sabonis have really gotten, uh, gotten a nice little rapport going. I mean, they, you know, we've seen some brilliant passes, obviously, bonus but you've seen some really nice passes from Harrison Barnes to Sabonis and I think that's always the wonderful thing about unselfish play is that you know it's like with Monk trying to find Sabonis or Sabonis you know you're you're seeing that so much now and to me it all stems from Sabonis because he is such a damn unselfish guy and and screening for everybody and finding everybody that at some point they think damn I, I probably owe him one too and and it and we're starting to see that. And Harrison is a guy I think is uh, we're seeing passing skills from Harrison that I hadn't really seen before either. Hey, what about you? Harrison Barnes says, I mean, Will, you rattle off the numbers. He's been much better recently. But I think if you watch the games, his contributions have been even more important sometimes than maybe the numbers look like because he's he's had some big games and some big buckets for this team when they've really needed him. I, you know, he's, he's made some clutch, some clutch plays. I do wonder just looking forward for the rest of the season. I think in Harrison Barnes and Keegan Murray, you have two guys that at their best are like 14 to 16 point per game guys. And the nature of this starting lineup is they both can't do that. So one, you know, one guy has to be the fifth guy and they both, you know, are capable of being the fourth guy. So I, I, I do wonder if they'll ever be at their best, in the same starting lineup. I I guess it's too early to call that, but I just, you know, one guy has to be the fifth starter on this team and he's going to average probably 10 points per game or less. And uh, on any given night, that could be either one of them. So um, I don't think the Kings should do anything really to adjust at this point, because that is their, their best starting five, in my opinion. But I do wonder in the back of my mind if this can actually get better with the two of them here. Um, It does seem like they are, they are kind of in each other's way, uh, to being their best self, but it might be too early to call that. That's a good, uh, good thought there. You know, and I, I do think that's, 
you know, with the team as presently constructed, you know, I had thought that maybe Keegan would be the third guy or fourth guy. Well, he's not. And I don't think he's going to be this year. I think Harrison's a better player. And and I, I don't think Keegan had, would have a problem with that either. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that's probably the best of, of all worlds for this team right now is just let Keegan develop as the fifth guy of the starter. Yeah. And, you know, some nights might get 15, 18, some nights eight or 10. And, and those nights maybe plays 15, 18, 20 minutes, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I think that, you know, to me, I, I say it mostly if just if Harrison just continues to play like he's playing or near there, like he's played throughout his career, uh, you know, you know, basically he's got a post game on a team that needs that. He's able to, he's getting the line more than we've seen certainly as a driver to the basket with a basket open because of Sabonis, uh, it's always kind of open. Uh, he, he's able to get more done, I think, than Keegan can do at this time. You know, he just, he's able to do more. You know, I think, you know, I think that'll change in time. Uh, but anyway, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> The last, uh, the last player I kind of want to bring up is only because uh, he's played so uh, he played incredibly well during this losing streak. And then he's, he's been great all season. And I, I've been starting to see a little bit of like uh, national media talk about uh, Malik Monk and uh, his six man of the year uh, uh, chances there. Um, there was a stat pulled from uh, um, Willsey stats is a, is a guy on Twitter, Jerry, who's a, he's a great contributor to D'Lo and Casey on the radio incredibly smart guy, very numbers driven man. Who, and I'm jealous of just the amount of data he can, he can compute in a day. The man's a little computer, but he, uh, he tweeted out that 193 players have at least 10 games played off the bench of those 193, only two are averaging at least 14 points and four assists. And he mentioned those two players are Malik Monk and Russell Westbrook and Monk shooting splits to Westbrook's are, are astronomically different. Uh, during during the last four games, he's averaging like 21 points. He's shooting like 60% of the from the field uh, during the three game losing streak. And the other night in Indiana, he's seemingly every game putting up a highlight reel of some sort. Or if he's not, he's trying to dunk on somebody and and getting fouled for it. He's he's playing aggressive. He's playing the best basketball of his career. What do you guys think of Malik Monk's play of late? And uh, give me give me what you think his chances are for a six man of the year if he can keep pulling this off. Well, if this team uh, makes the playoffs, uh, I think he's got an excellent chance. And that, you know, you're not going to get six man of the year if you're not a, a playoff team, I don't think. So uh, his numbers would indicate he deserves that. And, and certainly as a six man candidate, you uh, those kind of guys are guys that they're on the floor at the end of games, even though they don't start. And, and he's going to be uh, most games. So, yeah, well, I think it's uh, at, at the 20 game mark, I'd, He's as deserving as anybody I can think of. And, uh, you know, he's, he, he, the one thing, what a good six man does, it's like Bobby Jackson used to, is when you come in most games, he makes the team better. You know, yeah. uh, that, that's the idea. <laughs> and uh, Malik Monk, one way or another, you know, I mean, we knew he's a great shooter, uh, you know, from his last year with the Lakers, but uh, we're seeing a better player, you know, and they, just uh, like I say, brings a lot of energy, toughness, you know, kind of a, like I say, if nothing else, a bigger version of Bobby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What about you, Tony? What do you think of uh, Malik Monk's play of late? Yeah, it's so fun. 
like Malik Monk is so fun off the bench. He's there's certain bench players. There's only a few of them in the league where when they check in, the game changes a little bit. Like Malik Monk kind of makes it a, a Malik Monk game where he's running around everywhere. He's all over the court. You can't miss him. He's passing. He's talking trash. He's talking to the officials. He's making shots. He's kind of doing it all. And uh, I had this thought last night uh, watching the Kings and Pacers game. Um, I don't, there's not many, if any, that I can think of bench backcourts better than Davion Mitchell and Malik Monk right now with their ability. I mean, you've got one of the best offensive bench guards in the league in Malik Monk, and you've got one of the best defensive bench guards in the league in Davion Mitchell. And you've got both those guys coming in against other bench units where you can defend the opposing best guard really well with Davion. You can score and generate offense with Malik Monk. So I love that backcourt pairing off the bench. I love how they're playing together. And it's the first time in a long time where the Kings will make substitutions and I get excited. Like, I don't want to change the channel. I want to watch this bench more. Um, it's been very a very fun backcourt group off the bench for the Kings this year. I had the same thought, Tony, that uh, you're either, if you're a bench guard in the NBA right now, you're either getting locked down by Davion Mitchell yeah. or you're getting scored on, you're getting points put on your head by, <laughs> by Malik Monk. It would piss me off if I were a bench guard in the NBA. Uh, Jerry, I saw you were going to say something. Go ahead. Oh, no, I just, Davion, I just love Davion. I mean, I love him. you know, love him. We, we spend way too much time worrying about what he can't do as opposed to what he does do. He impacts the game. And I guarantee, I always remember, and I, uh, this uh, deal last year when when the Kings beat the Pacers in Indianapolis without the Fox or Sabonis, and uh, and and Davion just got into Halley like he owned him, and I always remember it's either Doug Christie or or Alvin Gentry I can't remember which one, but I was uh, talking to him I asked him about that he said hey let me tell you something <laughs> I think he was to the effect of Whoever he guarded in practice, whether it was Fox or Halliburton, they both had miserable scrimmages. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was, I mean, it didn't make any difference who it was, but they and they knew it. <laughs> and and I and I thought, you know, I was as I was watching the game last night, I was thinking, you know, Hallie hadn't forgot that either. No. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, let's roll over into that. Actually, uh, it, obviously, uh, five years from now, we might not care nearly as much, but. Uh, but last night was a little bit special in terms of uh, Halliburton coming back to Sacramento, uh, Buddy Heald coming back to Sacramento. Uh, talk to me guys a little bit about what you saw from that game. Um, it can be it can be just about anything. I just know that this was a special game for Kings fans, especially uh, uh, getting to see um, Halliburton again uh, on the Indiana Pacers. Um, what did you guys take away from that game uh, from either side of the coin? Well, I, I mean, you know, certainly Halley, to his credit, I mean, it was a beloved figure in Sacramento Kings history, as he should be, you know, a, a marvelously talented young player that probably does have all-star talent and is, and is having an all-star caliber year in the East, did not have a good game last night. That's the only way you can put it. You know, I mean, it's, it's the old deal. Uh, people want to, you know, if you're a Halliburton fan, you want to give Halliburton a pass, but you wouldn't give Fox a pass, <laughs> you know. At, at some point, you give somebody a pass, and you got to give everybody a pass occasionally because everybody uh, has a bad game. But uh, but Hallie, I, I mean, I've watched him quite a bit, and I know Indiana's extremely happy with him. They they feel good about the trade, just like the Kings do. And it's uh, just one of those things that's a win-win. Like I say, I was glad to see the fans show their appreciation for him. I kind of wish uh, things had went a little different with Buddy. Uh, but, uh, you know, people can, got a right to feel how they feel. 
uh, like I say, I'd kind of choose to remember Buddy as Buddy Buckets before uh, he played for Luke Walton. And, uh, you know, and I think he was, you know, I'm not, you know, Buddy was never the sharpest knife in the drawer and said and did some things probably, uh, you know, he shouldn't. But, but it, I know one thing, he, about every game that he, that was played, he trotted his butt out there. Yep. And played and and like I say when he's used properly, you know, like he is in Indiana, uh, you know, getting the ball to shoot it. Don't uh, don't try to make him a playmaker. <laughs> you know uh, that to my mind is that was you know was that his fault? Uh, no, uh, you put somebody in positions they can't succeed. Uh, that's on the coach. Uh, and, and I think that was where Buddy is. And, you know, having said all that, uh, you know, Buddy's going to be traded. He, he's proven that got his market value back. He's played well enough in Indiana. And, and Matherin is clearly the, the guy they, they need to go to. He's a, a more gifted athletic version. <laughs> and so, so they'll, they, they'll move Buddy. But, but something Buddy's going to have 10 years probably another 10 years in the league because he can really shoot so but uh, so anyway yeah it's just one of those things that it's too bad I, I i don't you know but i think there's you know it's like with cousins or something you know if there's players that you know when they come back you don't feel good about how they did things yeah if you want to boo boo i'm just not a booer uh per se i mean I'm, I set home my TV. I'm a cusser, but I'm not a booer. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm usually it's a, my our players because <laughs> I want them to do better. But uh, anyway, so so there's that. I mean, it was great. Uh, it's but it was a great game for Sabonis. Certainly, he wanted to play well against his former team. That'll mean a lot more when he goes back to Indiana. Uh, just as it meant so much more to Halliburton and feel feel to come here but uh you know for him to have the kind of game clearly had he played a lot of minutes i mean he had good stats anyway but uh he was he was having a good game so yeah what are you gonna do i mean I, I i read all this stuff in the in the herald you know different people's comments and stuff and you know some people disappointed that people booed and, yeah i would just prefer they didn't but i sure don't if people feel that strongly if I paid a hundred dollars and I didn't like somebody, I <laughs> wanted to boo them. I'd boo them, I guess. So, so. I feel pretty similarly, Jerry. I don't begrudge anyone who wants to boo him. I, I probably wouldn't have done it if I were there in the arena, but there was a moment in, uh, before the game was put away the, the Pacers were on a little bit of a run and buddy caught a ball being pretty well contested in the corner and kind of faded out of bounds and took a three and he hit it. And I just remember thinking to myself, oh, God damn. And then I sat there for a second. Oh, that's what that feels like. I've seen Buddy do that enough times to other teams that it was like, oh, okay. And when he yeah. started off like 0-4 from 3-2, I went, I don't have to, I don't have to worry about that anymore either. So <laughs> yeah. it was the full Buddy experience last night. Yep. So I, I there were things I, I didn't miss about Buddy, and there were things that I went, Oh yeah, that hurts coming from the other end of things for sure. One last thing on Buddy, and I always I tell people I, you know, to get into the Buddy thing, and I said, Well. You know, I always remember him when he played pretty darn good and for Jaeger. Yeah. And I also remember Jaeger and him getting into a lot of this. Well, the reason was Jaeger's trying to coach him up right, you know, and Buddy didn't like it. Sure. And, uh, and on that, but that's, I guarantee you, Rick Carlisle's doing the same thing. Sure. You know, uh, he's, he's telling him, 
exactly what to do and how to do it, or you don't get to get to do it. <laughs> and uh, and and so anyway, so I, I just be one of those guys. I choose to remember that part of it. Tony, what did you take away from this game? Uh, I thought you guys did a great job covering the game part of the game. So I'm going to do a little salty Kings fan rant here and just say, I'm watching that game. It's the, it's, I think it's the first quarter Kings made a, a huge play. Crowd was going crazy. Pacers called a timeout. Um, and I had a thought like, man, the NBA dropped the ball, not giving this game better treatment. This should have absolutely been a national TV game. You want to get over younger stars. You want to throw the small markets a bone. You've got Sabonis versus Miles Turner, two teammates who probably thought they were better than one another who are now finally facing off. You've got Fox versus Halliburton. You've got this big franchise altering trade. You've got the Kings who by far have the best home court in the NBA right now, the most charged home court. The the storylines that you could have built in pregame and commercials for this game I mean, if you're ever going to put the Kings on on national TV against another smaller market team like the Pacers, which, by the way, both teams are in the playoff picture for both conferences right now. They're both playing well. That is a that sucks. Like we got to watch the Lakers, the shitty Lakers on national TV 30 times a year. And this awesome best game of the night by far. Kings versus Pacers game can't get a a national TV spot. Um, That sucks. I think the NBA uh, the NBA messed that one up. That was an awesome game. Atmosphere was incredible. And I just think it was a, it was a huge missed opportunity by the NBA to not put more effort into telling this story between these two teams. It was a, it was a really great night um, in Sacramento and a great small market night, and they should have capitalized on it. Amen, brother Zip Terrace. I'm with you there. I'm about to go grab my pitchfork. I'm ready to go. Tony, were we yes. writing letters to the NBA or what? I had that thought in its first quarter. I was like, man, this, why is this not on TNT? This is, I know I watched so much basketball. There is not a more entertaining game on. And I'm not even, I'm not saying that from a Sacramento bias. This is the best game probably with the most storylines that the NBA will have all week in a pretty boring regular season where teams that mean nothing to each other play each other every single night. This game should have had a spot on some national TV uh, night. Well, if you get your rant, Tony, I'm just going to say real quick, uh, uh, my it's not necessarily a rant, but as the tanker of the group here, uh, Indiana's going to be really good someday. I I, I mean, uh, Matherin, he had a bad shooting night, but you can tell he, he's he got enough piss and vinegar in his in his system that he's going to make it. Uh, Tyrese is obviously Tyrese. He's going to be great. But even guys like Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith last night went, mm. he, he could not miss. Eight of ten from the field, four, four or five from three we literally had to punch a bit of his tongue off in order to get him to leave. <laughs> you literally had to smack him in the jaw in order to get him to stop because he was hitting everything that he was throwing up. That's a decent young team, and they still have a lot of time if they decide they want to make a race at the bottom. They could easily – they could easily. oh, Tyrese Halpern's got a sprained ankle for 10 games? Congrats, that's a really bad team. But they're, they're going to be good someday, and I don't think it's going to take all that long before they're – before they're right there where the Kings are right now, where we're hopeful, like, oh, they're going to get a playoff spot, this and that. I, I think the Pacers aren't aren't that far away from being a really, really nice young team. Yeah, they've done some good things. As you said, the Smith, getting Smith for nothing, basically. Yeah. You know, and he was so much better than Miles Turner, yeah. uh, you know, today. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so, you know, they got him for free, and, and you're right. And I don't think they're going to be in the tankathon there, Mr. 
Mr. Will. <laughs> yeah. I, that's why I termed it the way I did. If they want to, Jerry, they could be. I'm just saying. Okay. Can, you can kick Tyrese in practice and be like, oh, no, you're out for 10 games. Sorry. Buddy. Yeah. No, you, you, no. And that's when we'll know they're, they're doing it. That you're right. <laughs> yeah. You know. Even some of those guys like uh, 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 Nemhard and some of these other guys, you know, TJ McConnell's a little pest. I wouldn't mind seeing TJ McConnell on the Kings at some point. But oh, he's the, a pretty good player. Yeah, pretty good is, player. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Duarte has been hurt, I guess. Yes. You know, he was a very good rookie last year. Yes. So, uh, yes. yeah, I, I, I've watched them quite a bit. I like their team. I mean, they did not have one of their better games, but I no. think uh, they've got a lot of nice pieces and a well, well-coached team. Uh thought it was interesting, too, you know, because I have a lot of respect for Rick Carlisle. But, I mean, basically, the Kings were so good, he'd used up all of his timeouts. In the third quarter. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and he had to. I, I yeah. mean, I thought he, he, you know, I thought he was trying to coach the best he could. Stop the bleeding about 100 times, you know, and they just couldn't do it. You know, Jerry, I was curious because I had I'd never seen this before in an NBA game. But uh, the Pacers were assessed a technical because they ran out of timeouts in the third quarter and there was a mandatory TV timeout that they were supposed to take. And that's the reason why they got a technical. Have you ever seen something like that before? No, I haven't. <laughs> that I was thinking the same thing. You know, I thought I'd seen everything and you know, anytime you think you have, that's when you have it. But uh, no, that, that, that's a first for me. Okay. Speaking of timeouts, we're going to go to a timeout right now and cut to a commercial break. Sacramento Electronic Supply now has stock on TrendNet switches, 5 to 18 port gigabyte power over Ethernet switches for all your networking and camera needs. Stop on by their location directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova, Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Hey, or visit them online 24-7 at www.com. Sackelect.com. Okay, we're back. So now we're going to jump into our uh, Anything But King segment. That's a segment where I give uh, Tony and Jerry a chance to talk about any other game, any other team, any other storyline in the sports world that they encountered over the last two weeks. Their only rule is they don't get to talk about the Sacramento Kings. So what do you guys got for me this week? I'll let Tony go first because he probably he's made the best point here recently. So see if he can keep it up. <laughs> This is a weird segment now, Will, because all I want to talk about is the Kings. And yes, like we, we, we might have to suspend this. this segment. I know, like only talk about the Kings. Um, <laughs> this has been a travel-filled, busy week for me. I did not watch a lot. I will throw it, throw it back. I think I said this last year, too. And, Will, you were not very happy with me. I will recommend to all of our uh, listeners here, Great British Baking Show released a holiday special. I watched it a few nights ago. It was a great time. Put me right to sleep. So if you need something cozy to watch, uh, throw on Great British Baking Show holiday special 2022. It was uh, it was excellent. So a lot of good cakes, um, some cookies, uh, good stuff um, from the Great British Baking Show this year, as always. Well, my, my thought, uh, really, I'm, I'm really pulling for, for Texas Christian in the football playoffs. They're unbeaten, obviously, in a state where the University of Texas has every advantage and managed not to take advantage of them. But uh, TCU, currently third unbeaten. They've had a couple close calls. Uh, you know, now if they can beat Kansas State in the conference, uh, which they probably won't. <laughs> I mean, Kansas State isn't as good. But, you know, I, but I, I just love to see them have the chance uh, to get into the, the final four. You know, I think it's kind of neat. Uh, of course, 
you know, it looks like a given that, you know, Michigan and, and certainly Georgia and TCU and probably either USC or Georgia uh, will be the fourth, depending on USC, if they can beat, uh, you know, Utah. But then again, Utah beat them before. So if they beat them again, then they're done. So, I, I mean, I, I don't follow college football like I do the NFL, but this time of year, when it gets down to the elites and, uh, and, you know, a school like Texas Christian has never really been put in that category. So I think it's really neat to hopefully they, they get a chance to compete. And one other thing, this has to do with the team or the Kings a little bit, but I'll tell you what, I enjoyed, uh, uh, Greg Wister did a game recap last night and there's about 230 responses, you know, yeah. Yeah. And which tells you that people are really interested in. And I just enjoyed, I, I mean, some other responses or posters were damned idiots, but that's another story. But uh, <laughs> uh, some of the thoughts, you know, I think, but overall, just listening to, you know, King's Guru and Rob Hessing and guys like that, because they, they really think things out. Yeah. You know, they really put time and thought into it based on some logical perspectives it's not that they're not always right either i think they're right probably more than i am but but uh i mean it, it's just really great reading not just greg's story which is terrific but but there's so, there's so many many people on this king's herald that are just really bright basketball people uh, i i remember telling aileen Boisson, uh, uh, she'd call me we talk occasionally you know former uh, columnist and of the, of the B and sports. And I told her, I said, you know, if you really want to get some good basketball information, go on the King's Herald and not just read the stories because they're, they're great writers, but read the responses. I said, you, you, you can learn, you can learn. Of course, I won't tell you, she didn't, I don't think she agreed with that. So we, we'll just... <laughs> did she ever call you again after that, Jerry? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I, we have, I have fun with that, but you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't think she, you know, I mean, bless her heart. I mean, she's very knowledgeable too, but in her own way. But I just think she probably doesn't believe that there's people that are this knowledgeable about the yeah, game. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. And I, and I, I can say I, I wasn't too sure, but I mean, and I'd say that, you know, I probably a little cruel there on some, but, but there are some that probably just are too reactionary to, to, to one little thing or another and it's like well that that's 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 not you know think it out a little bit just think it out a little bit and, and like say the and the most really do and even if you disagree with them you can see why they're thinking like they do uh, i'd like you know i think kind of we try to do that where we make some might be wrong but we kind of have a reason for believing as we do yeah yeah Jerry, I, I never fault people too much for uh, for being a little reactionary because, like, I think that's just a, a response to abuse. You know, <laughs> if I smack yeah. a dog enough times and I raise my yeah. hand up real quick, they're going to flinch. Uh, I, a, I give I, it to them. That's a great point. Well, I, I, I yeah, I think there's probably nobody that uh, probably when you look at it that way, it's, it's like saying, I got, I deserve this opportunity to get, get even a little bit. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I might have. I might have done that once or twice myself. So, I'll, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll back off that a little bit. Uh, the only thing I have for my for my thing, I didn't even watch this game, uh, so maybe this is cheating too. But um, 
I saw that Prince William and Princess uh, uh, Catherine are in New England and Tony's neck of the woods. And they went and saw a Boston Celtics game uh, the other night when they were playing the Heat and the Celtics Celtics won and Jason Tatum had a crazy good game. And uh, it, it's one of those things that I cannot believe that Princess William and, and Prince Kate aren't Kings fans. Is that a little too on the nose? They, they should be Kings fans. And I, I feel like before long, if they do, if, if the Kings are good, if the Kings wind up making the playoffs, and the monarchy does not send somebody to a Kings game. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to assume the very American thing here that, that, that they're, they're doing it on purpose. And we should go to war over it because, you know, you have no, you have no franchise more suitable for a prince and a princess and they send them to Boston. No, that, no, no, no. So, so anyways, that was, that was my little rant. I, I cannot believe mm. that they went to a Boston Celtics game over, over, over a Kings game. So. Do you think either one of them have heard about the Kings at all, ever? Do you think they have any idea they even exist? I would guess not. But I, I, I think his mom came to Sacramento one time. Hey, Tony, I'd be willing to bet you they hadn't even heard of the Celtics, if you want. What sport are we? What's cricket? What, what are we watching? Hey, yeah, it's Great Britain. They don't play basketball over there. I mean, you know, there's great European basketball, but there's none of it in, in London and Great Britain and England. Uh, heck with them. Heck with saw- them. We don't, we, don't, we don't need them here. I saw a clip of Jason Tatum hit a hit a three. It was however many threes he hit that night. It was in the middle of this run that he was on, and you just see Prince William clapping, and he just looks over at his wife and goes, "He's very good." It's like, <laughs> do you even know what's going on? Do you know if, yeah. if that was even a good thing or not? <laughs> they can have royalty. We have Brad Miller. That's that's good enough for me. <laughs> and that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he, he's our prince. That's yeah. right. Yeah. He's a he's a. He's the Prince of Bud Light or something like that, but he's, <laughs> yeah. he's a prince nonetheless, you know? <laughs> okay, so we're going to roll on over it now uh, to, uh, to Tony and our Patreon question of the day. Thanks, Will. Um, on every episode of this podcast, we ask at least one question from our King's Herald patrons. You can subscribe at patreon.com slash King's Herald. Uh, and on our Patreon, we ask, um, we answer all the leftover questions that don't get asked on the main show. So if you do submit a question and you don't hear the answer here, Subscribe to us on Patreon, and we ask Jerry all the questions once a month over there. Um, this week's question comes from uh, Huzzle on Twitter, and uh, Huzzle asks, uh, do we need better a better rim protection option behind a foul-prone center? And I think you can kind of expand this question even more, in, uh, Jerry. Do the Kings need to find some rim protection in, in the trade market? Can they survive what they have right now uh, at backup center specifically? Well, obviously it is a concern. I think the, uh, but I think you have to look at it some different ways. It's like, okay, uh, first of all, who can you get that actually solves the problem? Well, my guess is nobody. Uh, You know, I mean, you, you look at the very best rim protector in the league and it's, Rudy Gobert, and he hasn't necessarily made the Minnesota Timberwolves better to date. Because uh, there, there's kind of, there's there's a two-pronged thing. You know, it's like, well, by doing that, even if you got a guy that was significantly better at doing that, you'd have to change, you may have changed your offense, how you play, and does that make you better, uh, even as a backup guy? Uh, so, I, you know, I, I guess the way I would answer it would be this way. You know, the team that won the world championship last year did not have one called the Golden State Warriors. They, they didn't. And so you clearly don't have to have one. 
Now, the Kings aren't a champion. I don't think a championship contender yet. And uh, it would be nice to have one. As you notice, the Warriors, you know, they got Wisman, Wiseman, because that's what they thought they needed. And I don't notice him trotting out there lately. Uh, so so I, I guess in my mind, it, it you worry about Sabonis' foul trouble. Yes, I worry about that more than the a basically what's called a rim protector. I'd rather uh, than be concerned about getting somebody that, that maybe they can feel play on the front line that's a real good basketball player to, that could play with the other guys, you know, kind of like Sabonis, uh, you know. Uh, so that, that's it. I mean, if if you had 48 minutes of, of Sabonis, uh, this team, it could be a 55-win team, I think, put it that way. So – so it's, a, it's a concern. I know I get it. You know, I think that's when a team is doing good, you're always looking for those, that little thing they don't have or this or that. Well, uh, you know, the Celtics until just recently didn't have one uh, and they had the best record in the league. And so, so I, I just think that's into, with this team, I'd be more concerned about screwing it up than making it better. I really think there's a, you know, there's a real chance you could screw it up. The chemistry is good. The style of play is, is uh, excellent. They're winning. They're happy. Uh, you know, it's be careful what you wish for. How's that? Will, uh, how do you solve this problem? If you think it's a problem that needs solving? I mean, I think you could do it. Monty McNair has obviously shown that he's willing to go out there and get what he thinks plugs the holes. Uh, I think it's one of those things that there are like by low, not, I don't want to say by low candidates, but there are like, there are shot blockers that are available in, in the NBA. There will be, there are big ass dudes that block shots that I, I was thinking about this question and uh, Andre Drummond in Chicago that he's playing 15 minutes a game. And he's, you know, he's, I think he's just about 30 years old, but he's not playing that many minutes. If you wanted a shot blocker off the bench. Okay. I think he's, he's gettable. Uh, I think you could look to the Lakers and be like, hey, you know, obviously uh, Damian Jones, who we had last year, who's familiar with Sacramento, he started one game and then fell off the face of the earth. It, you could go get a guy like that if, if you feel like Chemezi Meto isn't there. But I'm kind of with Jerry here in that, like, I'd be very nervous to bring Andre Drummond in because uh, chemistry is kind of a, a fickle thing. And who knows what, you know, him, you know, if he starts dragging his ass, around the practice court, what, what that ends up doing to the rest of the players, you know, uh, could you, could you get more minutes for Nemius Keita? Who's absolutely killing it in the G league. Sure. Nemius Keita went up against Jane, James Wiseman the other night in the, in the G league and scored 39 points and had a bunch of rebounds and four block shots and absolutely embarrassed the guy. Y you could probably find a way to do that. If, and, and you would, you would take a minimal hit to chemistry because he's already a part of the organization. But I think you, I think Jerry's right in the sense that you, it's not superfluous as much as it is like it's not exactly needed right now. Now, if 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 it starts really, really, really becoming a problem, then okay, you you you'll always find those candidates that are, you know, I I I thought long and hard about mentioning to Jerry while he was talking about Mo Bamba, our, our favorite Mo Bamba probably hey. could be found. <laughs> I'm telling you, now I, I totally agree with you on him. There if you, you could get if you could get Mo Bamba, and the reason I say that. Yeah, he can block shots, but he doesn't take away from Sabonis. Right. He's a perimeter big, a seven-foot yes. perimeter big that defensively can 
do what you need, but offensively won't screw you up. Yes. And and he could play with Sabonis as well as behind Sabonis. Yes. So, but but somebody that like a Drummond, no, no, yeah, no, yeah. God, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'd rather much rather bring up Cato and, yeah. and and just and give him some minutes there just to see. But uh, but to my mind is boy, don't don't uh, you know try not to mess with what's going good. Yeah, I, I think I think sometimes you look at oh the Kings are second and the last in the league in in shot blocking and you're like oh oh how do we fix that problem? It, they're they're above 500 right now. It's it's not a problem until it really becomes a problem. And Jerry, as you mentioned, you know there are a lot of very good teams that don't have a traditional shot blocker. Okay, yeah, like so don't 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 touch it because if if somebody were to look at oh well we need to really up our our block shots and you go get an Andre Drummond and it completely destroys you know it is a literal monkey wrench in the machine. It, what are you doing? Because the counting stats are are lower than what you expected. Okay, if you're a decent defensive team and you're bad at blocking shots, so be it. You're stopping them some other way. Who cares? But Mo Bamba would be my one guy that I would make the exception for. Go get that guy. But otherwise, yeah, man, no, you, I'm, on, I'm on board there. I really am. I, I think just for the reasons I gave you, you know, is that yes, he can pro- provide some rim protection yeah. without changing how you play, yeah. or and and more importantly, can play with Sabonis. Yeah. Uh, so my one other suggestion, Tony. Tank and go get Victor Wimbanyama. <laughs> no, I no. would do it, Jerry. Oh, Jerry, I can well. hear your eyes roll on that. Well. No. <laughs> no, it's not a problem until it becomes a problem. Don't don't do anything. But yeah, if you want to go get Victor, I'm fine with that too. Obviously. Yeah, there's a very narrow, uh, there's a very small pool of players that it would actually make sense for the Kings to get. Like if, like you mentioned, Andre Drummond, they have that play like if you want a player who can only play on the interior and he'll block some shots you have Alex Len and you're already not playing him not that Alex Len's a great shot blocker but you already have the guy who can only play center on the roster and he's getting zero minutes uh but you're right guys like Mo Bamba who can actually do other things that makes way more sense but there aren't a lot of Mo Bambas available that can both block shots and do something besides stay in the paint because Sabonis already owns that area for 35 minutes a night um, in an ideal scenario. The one thing I will say to, to this question too is for a guy I've criticized a ton in his time in Sacramento, I do think Chemezi Metu is doing a pretty good job at backup center right now. He's obviously undersized. He still can't hit a three to save his life, but his efficiency is as high right now as it's ever been in his career. He's taking smarter shots and for the size that he's giving up in the paint on the bench, he is making up for it. This is always like the Willie Colley Stein thing. And Willie Colley Stein was at his best. He was giving up some weight inside, but he was beating uh, opposing centers with his speed and running the floor. And I think that's what Chemezi Metu is doing right now. He's running the floor. He's out hustling backup centers. He's crashing the boards because he's quicker than a lot of these backup centers. So I don't know if the Kings can survive with him in that spot all year. But for right now, he's playing the right way, and and the Kings are the, the bench unit is playing well with Metu on it, and I did not did not expect to be saying that, um, especially with him at backup center this year. But he's he's doing a good job, so so credit to him. I've got one other guy just because I want to take another victory lap on this whole thing. Alexei Pokushevsky's in the top ten in blocks per game, and and shooting almost forty percent <laughs> from three, and he's not hurting the Oklahoma City Thunder right now. He would be another guy that you could go get. He is he is a good player. Yeah. I mean, I watched him too. You're mm-hmm. you you know I know you you've been on on boat there, and I, that's the only reason I started watching because I wanted to, <laughs> to 
tell you how wrong you were and damn if you ain't right. <laughs> the guy's getting better and better, you know, and that team's getting better and better. Uh, but like I say, I mean, that, yeah, that type of guy that, like you say, wouldn't really take away how you're playing. And I, yeah. and I think that has to be a top concern uh, myself. But, you know, short of getting somebody like Mo Bamba, uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd just, you know, honestly, I'd bring up Queda and, and see, I'd, uh, and, and as Tony pointed out, I mean, Alex Lynn can block shots. Yeah, right. He's proven that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's, a, that's one of the few, I mean, not that he's a great at it, but he protects a rim and take right. hard fouls. But, but I see why they don't play him too. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's like, well, when you, when you see the speed of the way this team plays, the last thing you want is, is uh, DeAndre Drummond running down the floor. <laughs> Running's generous. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that's what I say. You know, he, about the time he joins the fray, they're, they're going the other way. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, we're going to roll over you uh, to you now for the, uh, for the rental wrap-ups for the episode. Well, I mean, I, I, I think uh, my only really thought is after all the time here, you know, watching all these games, we've got to the, the, the 20 game mark, the fourth of the season. And uh, it, my only thought is, and we've already discussed it, but boy, I like watching this team. Yeah. I really, I'm, 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 I, I, I thought I was, was never going to get back to being can't, looking forward to the yeah. game coming on. Yeah. And I'm back there. I mean, uh, these guys, this is a good, fun team. Now, I don't know how good. I don't know if it'll last. And they're healthy, all that. But I know just for Jerry Reynolds, selfishly, I like watching the Kings play again. And really, the last five or six years, it was hard. You know, it was hard to find much to, to like about it, except as an individual, too. So, uh, as a fan, as a fan of basketball, uh, primarily, and a fan of Kings, probably secondarily, I love the game more than I love any team. And but this team is making the game fun. So, so whatever issues they have, I'm overlooking most of them because I like them. Sure. Amen. Same. Yep. I co-signed Jerry. Perfect way to close it out. So for everyone who, uh, everyone at the King's Herald, I want to thank you guys for listening to another episode. Uh, if you find it in your heart to go uh, search out where to like, rate, and subscribe us, we'd appreciate it. Uh, um, thank you again to all of our Patreon uh, subscribers as well. You guys keep the lights on. If you're interested in, uh, in, in uh, donating to our Patreon, obviously we've got links on the website for that. Um, so uh, on behalf of all the writers, all the owners, all the, all the staff on Jerry and Tony, especially, I want to thank you guys for listening to another episode and we will uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks and go Kings. <laughs>